Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's being called a pandemic of hate right here in California. Reported hate crimes in the state were up last year by almost a third overall, and racially motivated crimes were up by two-thirds. Sparking critical conversations, taking California's top law enforcement official across California on a listening tour. The latest stop, yesterday in Oakland. We all know that Oaklanders are prideful of our diversity and inclusion, and yet hate is a disease here, right here. In the streets of Oakland Chinatown and other areas like Little Saigon, you just in the beginning saw empty streets. It had become a ghost town. They'll attack an Asian today, a black person the next day, somebody from the LGBT community the next day. And the reason they do that is because they see those people as not belonging here. Good morning. This is Bay Current for Wednesday, September 22nd. From the KCBS Radio Studios in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman. Today, my conversation with State Attorney General Rob Bonta about the alarming rise in hate crimes in our state and how conversations like the one in Oakland yesterday are a vital step towards reversing these ugly trends. Mr. Attorney General, coming back home, right, to, to Oakland, uh, maybe a little bittersweet in some of the conversations that are, that are going on. What did you hear today? We heard powerful stories, personal stories, um, passionate stories, and painful stories from individuals who've been working in the trenches with communities who, as you just mentioned, while right here in the Bay Area, right here in Oakland, uh, a city and a region known for being progressive and forward-thinking and social justice-oriented, that, that their communities are not immune from hate, that, that they're suffering, that they're hurting, that they crave and are aggressively looking for and identifying solutions. So it was powerful and painful, but, but I also uh, was reminded uh, of what I didn't need to be reminded about because I've been the assembly member uh, for, for nine years here, that we have some of the uh, most forward-thinking, uh, compassionate, thoughtful uh, minds and leaders uh, right here in Oakland. And uh, what we can do here and accomplish here and scale uh, throughout the state is very powerful. So uh, I left with inspiration as well that, um, that we, like so many other challenges, uh, we've had many in the past. We're in the middle of an intersecting set now with a pandemic with a, of hate and a pandemic of COVID with a climate crisis, wildfires, uh, a racial justice reckoning that we will emerge mm -hmm. and will emerge stronger. You're early in the process of, of doing events like this throughout the state. Are there any 
striking similarities in these well, two conversations that you've had? Yeah, so two separate conversations. The one in San Francisco was a, a week or so ago. Okay. Um, but yes, uh, many commonalities. Uh, you know, one being that no specific community is, is immune from being the victim of or the target of hate. You know, we had Muslim American leaders. We had uh, Afghani American leaders. We had Jewish American leaders, um, uh, African American, LGBTQ, uh, Asian American, and all were saying the same thing, that uh, hate is on the rise. Uh, hate is at a level that is intolerable and that we must do everything in our power to address hate. And so that was item number one, that, that no one is immune and every, every community is suffering. Of course, there's been a lot of uh, appropriate attention on the, the, the fact of AA, anti-AAPI hate, um, but, but, it, but it goes beyond that. Um, the, the need for uh, trust uh, between uh, the victims of hate and those who would provide healing and support for them, uh, that trust is not always, uh, doesn't always exist when it comes to law enforcement or government. And that some nonprofit organizations are very well located, have earned trust over years from communities to be a appropriate source of support for prevention of hate crimes in the first place, and perhaps if it happens tragically, for healing, if it does. And so uh, the, the the critical role of, of community organizations, and then uh, the need for data, mm -hmm. really important. Un hate crimes are underreported. Right. Uh, why? Part of it goes to what I just said that there's not there's lack of trust. So mm -hmm. those who are collecting the data don't always have people who are willing to come to them to share. So even though there's spikes in, in hate crimes and hate incidents, um, we also know that they're underreported, so it's even more than is being reported. And then finally, um, the, the, some of the limits of the current legal regime, mm -hmm. the definition of a hate crime, many believe is um, something that's unattainable to, to prove in a court of law, and that, and that we, we might wanna reconsider uh, what uh, constitutes a hate crime in the eyes of the law uh, because some people are just very pained by the fact that what they know to be a hate incident, a hate-motivated attack, is not treated in the eyes of the law as such. So those are all commonalities. There were others as well, but uh, those are some that come to mind. AAPI is is still front and center since the, the pandemic started. How much of that is still attributed to the language of the former president and, and the former administration and the damage done, and how long-lasting is that? The vast majority of it is. I mean, how our leaders speak, uh, especially the... Uh, the, the president of the United States uh, with the biggest bully pulpit in the world and the biggest megaphone on the planet. Um, the, how you speak matters. And the prior president, President Obama, spoke in terms of unity and our uh, commonalities and how we move forward together, how our differences are a strength. And the, uh, President Trump, when he was president, spoke in uh, the language of xenophobia and hate and discrimination and, and racism. And uh, it gave permission and license to people who were um, under stress, who were in painful positions, who were dealing with economic uh, challenges and a, and a pandemic to turn on our, our, our fellow countrymen. And, and that was wrong. And so while Trump is gone, Trumpism remains and it doesn't go away. The coattails continue and the pain continues along with it. And so it's incumbent upon our current leaders to, to speak differently to talk more about us and coming together, to not scapegoat, uh, to not talk about a, a, a world of scarcity and zero sum, that one person's success doesn't mean someone else's detriment, that we can rise together, that you can be successful and I can be successful too. Uh, and in, in fact, that's how it must happen. So uh, we're in that process and it won't happen overnight, but anytime we can make progress, we should. Anytime we can move the needle, we must. And that's what today's about. Mr. Attorney General, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
One man intimately familiar with hate crimes is himself at the forefront of the fight to quell hate-related violence, not just as president of the Oakland Chinatown Chamber of Commerce, but as a victim as well. Carl Chan. If you don't mind, I'd like to just have you kind of recount that story and, and tell me what happened to you in April. Oh, so basically on that day, uh, I was uh, on my way uh, trying to meet with another victim of crime and walking down the street and, and I, I would never, never believe that could happen to me, myself. Uh, on the day, it was a broad daylight and uh, someone ambushed me from behind, uh, you know, calling racial slurs and then, you know, hit me down and I, uh, down the ground. But fortunately, I was able to uh, get up. Uh, and when I look around, I didn't see any camera. So I was able, uh, fortunately, you know, took out my phone and take the pictures uh, and then call the police and send it to the police department. And so, uh, the guy who attacked me uh, attacked me uh, was uh, apprehended, um, and it was quite fortunate. Otherwise, I was so worried that uh, the same guy would be going out and hurting other people. But since the start of the pandemic, you'd mentioned uh, a couple seconds ago, Carl, that you never think this would happen to you. You had seen the victims. You'd heard the stories of people in your community, communities like this one throughout the Bay Area. Uh, how trying, how fearful and troubling have these months, this year and a half and continuing since the pandemic started? How, how difficult has it been as an Asian American in the United States? It has been so uh, difficult for not only for myself, but for the entire community. Because, you know, when we get uh, starting uh, working on these uh, many issues and incidents, uh, it's actually starting uh, last year, uh, 2020 in January. Yeah. So when all these many incidents happened, uh, I was able to work with uh, uh, district attorney uh, in Alameda County, uh, Nancy O'Malley, and she was able to help us to uh, put out a, a, a video uh, and get it translated so people can report in crimes, uh, especially hate crimes. Unfort well, fortunately, we have many, many people calling in, but unfortunately, when people, after telling them about the incidents, they were so afraid to tell them uh, their own names and addresses and, and getting the report done. Um, but they did call me and I asked them why uh, I guess the, the major reason is they are afraid of retaliation. Um, I guess uh, hate crime is really something that uh, nobody would like to see. Uh, but while I'm saying all these bad things happening, but we do see many, many good things also happening, which is that we have many uh, uh, people uh, from within our community, in the AAPI community, but also outside of uh, this community. Many people came out. And they're saying that enough is enough. They want to do something to make those changes. You had called upon the governor to declare a, a state of emergency in the wake of, of such a dramatic uptick in the number of, of hate crimes. What's been the traction there? What's been your communication with them like? And what does a state of emergency against hate crime look like to you? Well, I think, you know, to the point that uh, when we're seeing the, uh, the rising numbers of murders, robberies and people using guns is almost unstoppable and you know without you know calling on this uh, our governor uh, declaring a state of emergency I know I understand it's, it's a political process uh, but we try not to make it political we just want to making sure that we, we receive enough help uh, and I'm so glad that besides uh, our own community I was able to ask a uh, uh, Bishop Bob Jackson in the black community uh, many of this uh, faith-based leadership are uh, they also in support of it um, you know, it's, it's not about, in this case, it's not only about, uh, you know, the racial attack or hate crimes. It's all about crimes in general affecting basically the entire city. So when I make this call, uh, I was a little surprised that, you know, um, 
Governor Newsom responding back less than 24 hours wow. and also uh, sending uh, Highway Patrol uh, helping us uh, for our needs. And, and my understanding is that uh, our Chief Armstrong also did a wonderful work uh, working out with the uh, Highway Patrol so that they're able to patrol uh, where uh, most important uh, intersections uh, where they might have uh, seen more and more crime in those uh, areas. That's what's in the Bay Current today. For more, visit kcbsradio.com and the Odyssey app, where you can find more podcasts like this one. On the app, make KCBS Radio one of your favorite stations to receive alerts on breaking news and exclusive audio. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Pittman. Let's chat again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.